It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my two co-hosts, John Kegley and David Drogemeyer. We're three writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we've been covering the Chargers for four seasons now, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live. And this is our second season with the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. We have a special guest for you guys today because we are joined by Eric Williams, who covers the Chargers for ESPN. He's a returning guest and always has some good answers, and today was no exception. So we'll be getting into that, but first we're going to talk about the Chargers moving the whole team to the Air Force Academy to try to acclimate to the altitude that they're going to be playing in in Mexico City, and some of the players may be being a little bit upset about that. So let's go ahead and get into it. This is your Locked On Chargers lead story. I'm Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogemeyer. The Chargers made some news this week when they decided to bring the entire team to Colorado and go to the Air Force Academy where they are practicing to try to acclimate to the altitude they're going to be facing when they square off against the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. We saw the same thing last year when the Rams and the Chiefs were planning on playing in Mexico City until the field was not good enough for them to end up actually playing in that game. The team was trying to get that high altitude and get used to that. And now the Chargers are trying to take a page out of that book. And David, it makes sense when you're talking about going to a place like Mexico City where you're going to be facing such an extreme altitude difference than you would be in California where you're basically basically at sea level, it makes sense for the Chargers to want to try to get used to that very thin air before they square off against the Chiefs. Yeah, and a lot of this is coming from Anthony Lynn. He said, hey, I've played at Estadio Azteca before. I've been in that really high altitude. I've also, you know, done, done sudden changes when I was in college where I went from where I was going to Wyoming the next day and, you know, I could feel the difference. And so this is something where he also made a comment that said, science, not a lot of scientists play football, but he wanted to take his team to go out to Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy to get acclimated to that uh, super high altitude. And Mexico City, when they're going to be playing on Monday night, it's at 7,349 feet. And so, you know, to get somewhere that was comparable in Colorado Springs, it's 7,258 feet. And, I mean, that's as close as you're going to get. But I think it is a great idea that he's bringing the players out to try to acclimate their bodies, to try to get their wind, to try to get their stamina up. So when they are playing on Monday night, they're ready to go and they're a lot more prepared than the Chiefs will be who decided to stay in their own facility and not get acclimated. We'll see if that plays a part in the game on Monday night. We will, and I mean, some of the players have said they don't know how much a week is going to do, and we'll get into 
a little bit of unrest by the Chargers players because of the decision to not stay at home where the Chargers players' families are and go to Colorado and spend the week there. A little bit like what they did last year in Cleveland because they had the London trip coming right after the Cleveland trip. So they stayed in Cleveland and then flew straight from there to London. But they said it was a really good bonding trip and it really helped the Chargers last year. This year it doesn't seem like they're as excited. But Anthony Lynn said of practicing there, he thinks it eases the mind a little bit for players. So it's a mental effect to him as well, he believes. So I think that also has something to do with it. But he said he also thinks it's helpful going from sea level to 7,300. He didn't feel comfortable just making that giant jump. So even though it's not quite as high as Estadio Azteca, you're still getting somewhat close to what that would be. So, David, let's talk about the unrest by the players because there's been some pretty unhappy players, or at least that's what the reports are right now. Because some Chargers have been saying some maybe coded things on Twitter like Keenan Allen saying, I hate everything. I don't think it's very hard to connect the dots on that one. But Joey Bosa also talked about it a little bit saying, you notice a difference out there a little bit with breathing. I don't know if a few practices is enough to get acclimated to it, but we're here. We'll make the most of it. And also when Keenan Allen tweeted and said I hate everything about this many people think it obviously had to do with the Chargers staying in Colorado at that altitude and also Thomas Davis's wife replying to Keenan Allen on Twitter and saying same obviously it seems like the Chargers this year when the season's not going as well David are not maybe having the family bonding trip they did last year when things were going a little bit better Well, I mean, everything is better when you're winning, Daniel. I mean, there's no question about that. So obviously when you're sitting at a record where the Chargers are at now, where their season is literally hanging by a thread, uh, you're probably not as uh, excited to go out and and spend time away from your family as you might be thinking about things past the season. One person that is definitely feeling at home here is Austin Eckler uh, because, you know, he's only about 180 miles away from where he went to and played his college ball at Western Colorado University. He's feeling good. He's excited. But uh, he also mentioned that there is is a lot of the players out there that are not feeling good about this move. But, I mean, we'll see if it pays off. Yeah, we'll see how it pays off. And I think that no matter what happens in the game, we'll probably over or underestimate how much of an impact that it had. I think that really, honestly, it's going to come down to these players and which team plays better on Monday night, not necessarily, you know, which team is more winded. They said even Austin Eckler was winded a little bit in his return to Colorado, so that was kind of funny to see. And I think that the Chargers doing this right now, I understand why Anthony Lynn is doing it, but I think he's also seeing now that he maybe doesn't have the clout that he had last year or the respect of his players that he had last year. If you have people outwardly actually just opposing something that was just Anthony Lynn's decision for the most part. More unrest for the Chargers, more tough sailing for Anthony Lynn, who seems to have kind of lost the reins on this ship right now and is trying to kind of guide the Chargers back to make a run at the end of the season and try to kind of cement his spot as the Chargers head coach before the offseason comes up. So this is a huge game for the Chargers. And I think no matter what difference it makes, this is a all hands on deck type of a game. This is another game like the Packers where it's going to have to be a really good game for the Chargers, almost flawless. So if you think you can get any kind of mental or physical advantage 
by going to Colorado and practicing and playing around in that atmosphere and at that altitude, I think you have to do it because right now this is a must-win game this week. But we do have two more segments to get into with ESPN's Eric Williams getting into all things Chargers, excited to catch back up with Eric Williams. So we'll be getting into that right after this, but I need to tell you guys that if you're not putting money down on football right now, you're not doing it right. During Thanksgiving week, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got your extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations as well. My bookie will give you all of your money all of your money back. It's a no-brainer. You literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. MyBookie welcomes all to come and play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process, and the best part is if you join Thanksgiving week, you can still get one last shot to take advantage of that incredible sign-up offer. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, make your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. And my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the free bet that you get to place. That's risk-free. If you place the bet, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. You can only win. Make sure you guys do your part and support your team this season. Hop on the gravy train and get in on the action with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys. Well, now it's time to get into the interview we've been teasing this week. We have Eric Williams, who covers the Chargers for ESPN with us today, and we're super excited to get into a lot with him because this Chargers season just has so much to talk about. Eric, what's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to Mexico City. I appreciate you guys having me, and I, I look forward to the, the questions. Yeah, no problem, man. We're excited to have you. Obviously, it's still a huge game for the Chargers this week, even with you know how this season has gone. But, I mean, the Chargers still technically alive, and we'll go ahead and get into that. But we'll start with this. Just Obviously, the Chargers have had a disastrous start, and the blame has been spread around from the coaches, the front office, the injuries and just a lack of execution. Uh, which of those factors do you think played the most in the Chargers' four and six start? Yeah, I mean that's a great question, and I do think, like you said, it it spread out around the organization. Um, I think obviously you have to start with the front office and the people that uh, secure the players, so the coaches can go out and and coach those guys. I think going in, you felt like they had pretty good depth. Um, I think not being able to get Melvin Gordon taken care of uh, hurt them. And, and again, that's, that's both on Melvin's side in terms of what he's asking for and the front office and, and being able to just convince him to, to get signed early instead of holding out. Um, so I think that set him back initially. Um, you know, a lot of people have kind of talked about the depth uh, on the offensive line, and I think that's a fair criticism of, of, of Telesco in the front office and Jim John Spanos. Um, obviously not having Okun hurt them, but they knew going in that he wasn't going to be available for a while. 
and they probably didn't do a good enough job of fortifying uh, what was going on up front. Uh, so I think, you know, part of the blame goes on the front office and being able to secure enough depth throughout um, the offense and defense and special teams uh, to, to, to last through a duration of the season. Uh, Anthony Lynn's the head coach, so, you know, he's going to take a lion's share of the blame as well because he's the guy that has to kind of get guys uh, motivated and organized uh, not only during the week, but on game days. And um, there just hasn't been enough um, efficiency uh, on game days in order to get things done, particularly at the end of games. Uh, you know, Rivers hasn't played great. Um, he's played decent at times, but uh, just, you know, 10 interceptions, the turnovers that really hurt them really early in games, kind of putting them behind an eight ball. Um, so, again, Rivers has to take part of that as well. Um, I think those those three really – stick out to me defensively they could have played better at times too so you'd have to kind of point to Gus Bradley a little bit although I think in terms of points per game they've done a decent job they could do better on third down and and he's been limited to because of injuries on that side of the football obviously Duran James is the one that stands out who is, is one of their best playmakers and hasn't been available but hopefully we'll be back on the field after the bye week so again I would kind of spread it out uh, to a lot of different areas um, they still have six games. Um, we'll see if they can kind of get back into it, starting with Kansas City. All right, Eric. You have been covering the Chargers a long time now. In all of your time covering the sport, have you ever seen a team whose luck is worse than the Chargers as far as injuries <laughs> and losing heartbreaking games? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, in, in some instances, you make your luck. I mean, if you look back at some of those Patriots teams, um, they've had a lot of injuries as well, but they've been able to overcome that because they're well coached and they have good overall depth. And, and not only do they have good overall depth, but their depth is well coached. So they come in and, and they don't have a significant drop off in terms of performance um, because of that. So I'm never going to just say that, you know, a, a team is just has bad luck and, and that's the reason they're losing. Um, guys still have to go out and, and and play and perform. They're still getting paid to the backups. And it really is an opportunity for them to, to go out and earn more money if they go out and perform at a certain level. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm not a person that's going to that's gonna blame luck. Uh, I'm always going to look at other aspects of the organization and what are they doing to overcome uh, those, those injuries that they sustained. Yeah, and speaking of injuries, obviously last year, one of the biggest injuries was Joey Bosa missing the time that he did. And even when he came back, he still seemed like he wasn't totally himself. But yeah. this year, Eric, Joey has just been ridiculous. I mean, eight and a half sacks, second amongst all defensive linemen. He leads all defensive linemen in tackles. His overall all-around game has just been crazy and of course he's going into his fifth year option next year and the chargers yeah. will have a chance to potentially re-sign him in this offseason so i just want to know what you think a contract for somebody playing at joey bosa's level <laughs> is going to look like and how hard do you think the chargers are going to try to push to not let him get to free agency well first of all the contract's going to be substantial there's going to be a lot of zeros at the end of it obviously oh, yeah. based on how he's performed I mean, I don't know what the number is going to be in terms of average per year. I would imagine it would be, you know, 15 to 20 million. I mean, that's kind of what he's earned, and that's what guys that have played like he's played are earning. Um, I know the Chargers want to sign him. Um, that, that's Tom Telesco's philosophy, you know, draft, develop, and resign. Um, the 
franchise tag might be in play for a guy like that just to make sure you, you, you hold on to him. And Bosa's camp obviously isn't going to like that. Um, but I think you, you have to hold on to guys like Bosa if you draft him. You know, I don't believe in, in, in what Gruden did in giving a, trading a player away like Khalil Mack, who's, who's kind of a foundational and transcendent player in my opinion. I think you need to hold on to those guys because those guys ultimately help you reach Super Bowls. Um, I know Joey likes it in Southern California, likes the franchise, likes the guys that he plays with, but he's also a realist and, and knows that knows his worth and knows that ultimately the Chargers might not be able to, to pay what, what he demands in terms of salary. Uh, but I've been really impressed with how he's handled himself on the field and off the field. I think he's shown maturity. I think you mentioned it. It's not only been the, the pass rush, it's been – the tackles in the run game, and he's kind of taking more ownership of that defense. And if other guys aren't going to make tackles in the run game, then he'll go ahead and do that too. Um, I think he's really shown some consistency week in and week out and be able to make plays not only as a pass rusher but as a run defender as well. And and he, he deserves it. He deserves every, every penny that he's going to get in free agency. The Chargers are hopeful that'll be with them. But, you know, again, it's, it's going to be tough to get that done as well as pay other guys that they have to pay. And speaking of defensive superstars, Derwin James is now available to return from the IR. How much yep. do you think these next couple of weeks will impact whether they risk bringing him back or not, whether it's winning games or just being in the playoff race? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. Um, Derwin, you know, we've been seeing him kind of working off to the side. He's been running and do some change of direction. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, how much he does this week. I'm actually heading out to Colorado Springs uh, Wednesday, and, and we'll be there for Thursday's practice. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, how much he's doing. I think Duran just wants to play, whether they're in it or, or out of it, because he's a guy that likes to be on the field. And I think it's an important um, aspect to kind of get him out there, whether the games are meaningful or not, just to kind of get him going for next year and, and to make sure he's fully healthy and that he feels good and and that he kind of gets revved up going into the next season. So you don't have any, any um, I don't want to say rust, but you just want to see him play and make sure that he's fully healthy so you feel confident that he can, he can get it going again next year. Um, so I think all expectations are that he will be back uh, after the bye week, whether or not you know, they win against Kansas City uh, in Mexico City. Um, and that's kind of been the timetable all along. This is usually a three to four month recovery in terms of coming back from the foot issue and the surgery that he had. And I think if you're a Charger fan, the fact that he had the foot, the foot surgery and usually it's a more robust um, healing time and, and in terms of guys coming off of this injury, you have to feel good about his prospects long term that it's not going to have any more issues with his foot. Well, and I think that's what most Charger fans are afraid of. You know, I mean, Monday could determine so much as far as the Chargers' chances. So to bring him back after Monday, I mean, that's going to be questionable if they're totally out of it. They're definitely going to be questioned on that. But I absolutely yep. see your point on it. I mean, you definitely want to let him kind of roll into next season playing at the level we saw him end last year at. But that is going to wrap things up for that segment. We're going to bring Eric back for one more segment coming up right after this to get into the rest of the season and how this game is going to go on Monday night coming up right after this. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, we are back here with ESPN's Eric Williams talking about all things Chargers. So much to catch up on with Eric because so many things have happened so far this season. But let's go ahead and get into what the rest of the season has in store for the Chargers. And we've talked about what they've been able to do this year and how they've failed to execute down the stretch. So last year, the Chargers were 6-1 and one in one-possession games in the regular season, not including the Ravens game in the playoffs. This year, they're 2-6 and six in those same situations. So I just want to know, Eric, what you think has led to that regression as a team, and at what point do you think that doubt kind of starts to creep into those players' minds when they get into these late-game yeah. situations? I mean, that's really the, the stat of the year for the Chargers, isn't it? I mean... Last year, they, they won all these close games, and this year, they haven't won them. Um, I think it's, it's a couple different things. I think one of it is, is special teams, not having Badgley available for those games. I mean, they have missed some, some kicks in crucial situations. You know, Badgley missed one kick last year. Um, so, so having um, somebody consistent on special teams, I think, has hurt them early on in those close games. Um, I think it's confidence, too. I think once they started to win those close games last year, there was an expectation that somebody was going to make a play uh, in those situations, and, and ultimately they did, particularly in games like you know, Kansas City, uh, Pittsburgh, um, and, and those primetime games. You know, they, were, they were down a bunch of points, but they were able to work back into it because they just believed that um, they still had a chance and that they could get it done. So I think part of it is belief, confidence. Because once you, you've won a couple of them, you believe that you can continue to do that. And that was kind of established in the other direction early on. Uh, you know, the Detroit game where they pretty much did everything they could to lose that game. And, and once you have a game like that, it's hard to kind of overcome that. And I think the last thing is, is talent. I think if you have talent and you're the more talented team, more times than not, you're going to figure out a way to beat the other team. And so I think what you're seeing is, is the Chargers just aren't as talented maybe as we thought, you know, going into it. And because of that, there's a, uh, there's a thinner margin of error between winning and losing. And it takes more things for, for, for the Chargers to go right in order to kind of win those close games where last year they were a little healthier. I think they were more talented than the teams that have played against and therefore they were able uh, to, to get those wins like games. When you say we have a thinner margin of error, man, you are not kidding. We are barely alive for the <laughs> AFC playoff picture right now, so you can't make any mistakes. And this week's game is huge yeah. for us staying alive on Monday night. So how big of a game do you think this is for the Chargers as a franchise trying to make themselves relevant in L.A.? Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I think it is a, a – a big game not only for their season, but I agree it's a big game for their franchise. It's a Monday night football game. It's a nationally televised game. All eyes are going to be on it. And it's a game that's being played internationally in Mexico City um, where they have, you know, a decent number of fans, uh, not only in Mexico City, but that will be coming down from, from Tijuana 
to, to watch them and obviously LA and other parts of the country. Um, so yeah, it could help, I guess, build some momentum for Los Angeles if they're able to, if not win, at least play well. Um, but for the, the season itself, I, I think you got to get this one to believe that you have a chance down the stretch to, to compete for a division title. You do play Kansas city twice, you know, starting on Monday. Um, you still have games against Oakland and, and at um, Denver. So, you know, potentially if you could, you know, roll, run the table and win all six, you have an opportunity, uh, albeit slim, to win a, a division crown. So that's definitely something they're using as motivation. You know, they're in Colorado Springs training this week because uh, Anthony wanted them to train at, at higher altitude to just kind of get used to that feeling of what it's going to be like playing um, in th- those kind of conditions. And then I think like last year when they went to Cleveland and spent that week together, that bonding helped develop some chemistry and, and they were able to kind of use that as a springboard for the rest of the season. I think Anthony is, is hoping that kind of spending that week together, that camaraderie that he can develop uh, will serve uh, in the same manner. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for the Chargers, yes, you're technically still alive. If you run the table and you have the Raiders lose to either the Chiefs or the Broncos, you're in. I mean, with the divisional record and all of those things. But it's hard to have confidence in that right at the moment. And speaking about the Chargers' relevance in L.A., I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the biggest news from last week, which seems like the third biggest news now because so much has happened. But, Eric, out of nowhere, we see these reports that the NFL is considering the Chargers as a potential team that could potentially move to London. Obviously, they just relocated. So as someone that you know covers the team so closely like you do, what did you think about when you saw those reports? Um. Well, I, I, you know, I, I know the person that's doing the reporting, and, and I know he does his work and, and makes his calls and has his sources. So um, I don't, I don't discount anything that was reported sure. uh, and went back and, and read it. Um, but I mean, the charges were never going to London, and I think that's why Dean came out so strongly yeah. with the F bonds and everything else, <laughs> just to kind of, just to kind of quell any thought of them, you know, that they were going to do that. One, he's got he's got to do that for the people that he employs. You know, a lot of them just moved from San Diego to Los Angeles, and they're like, "Well, we're moving to London now." So mm. he just wants to assure them, like, "Hey, we're not moving to London. We're going to be here long term." In terms of people that you know would have to move their families and things like that. And then I think the other thing is, is it just doesn't make sense logistically. You know, the league allowed the Chargers to move to Los Angeles having two teams in LA is something that they've kind of wanted all along. So they have those 20 dates to fill that humongous facility that they're building there. That's going to cost Cronky nearly 5 billion uh, to complete. Um, and so I just think financially it makes more sense to chargers to be in Los Angeles and to continue to allow uh, the Jaguars to, to, to build fans, you know, by, by making the trips they're making in London right now. Um, I think they just have a better idea to lay the land and what's happening in Jacksonville for somebody like the Chargers to now throw them in London and where they they haven't really been going on a consistent basis. It just didn't make any sense logistically. So um, that's my thoughts on it. I I know Dean has said publicly, and I've talked to him one-on-one, they're committed to being in Los Angeles long-term, you know, and and trying to make that work over the next decade or so. Um, and, and, And I think that's, that's the plan as it stands right now. All right, Eric. So this is the last question we have for you. And I feel it's a question you're going to have to be talking about a lot in these next coming months. 
So with Philip Rivers being a free agent after the season, people are questioning whether he still has it or if he'll be back with the team. Do you think this could be Rivers' last season? And also, do you think the Chargers will absolutely try to bring him back? Um, I think it's a possibility. I think Rivers, at the end of every year, kind of assesses where he's at physically and, and, and try to get an understanding of, you know, one, if he still wants to continue to play and if he physically can play. Um, I still think physically Rivers can get it done. Um, but, you know, he is getting older. He's going to be 38 years old in December. And um, does he want to continue to go through the punishment and take the hits um, and, and continue to kind of be that guy? Um, because I know it does mean a lot to him. Um, I, I think it, it's going to come down to whether ownership wants to continue to have Philip there long term. And then is this a place where Philip wants to finish the end of his career? Um, and so, I, again, I think it remains to be seen. I think a lot will, a, a lot will, uh, in terms of whether or not he stays, will be dependent on how they finish. You know, I think if they finish nine and seven, you know, obviously 10 and six, then maybe there's more of a likelihood he'll return. But if they really struggle and, 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 and finish, you know, six and 10 or, or something like that, then I think it's likely that either he retires or, or perhaps he chooses to, to sign with another team. So I think this last stretch will be critical in determining whether or not he stays or goes. But I, I do believe that Philip can still play uh, right now. And I'm, I'm interested to hear what your guys' thoughts on that. What do you guys think? Well, uh, that's the great. I'm actually writing an article on it right now uh, for the LA Football you don't Network. Want to tip your hand there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, I was actually. I'm gonna. Just, that's why I wanted to get your thoughts on it. I'm actually in the middle of it, and you're with London in the Packers game. It changed, and it was like, oh, maybe he is. And then you have the Raiders game. You know, so it's like it's been such an up and down week for me trying to write this. So I was actually really interested in what you had thought about it. And for me, I mean, it's crazy to think that these last six games in a seemingly meaningless season that's totally lost control really is so important to if Philip Rivers is going to come back because I feel the same way. I mean, I think if the Chargers down the stretch can make a run like Philip Rivers has done so many times, I mean, you know it. We've all seen what the Chargers have been able to do. Phil Sember is a thing. But I, I just think that if they finish, I mean, the way they're going now, if the trajectory continues on its downward path, I, I just, I don't know if I'm going to see it. And it, I just, Eric, can you really picture Philip Rivers in another jersey besides the Chargers? I, like, can't even wrap my mind around it. No. No, it would be bizarre to see him wearing a Tennessee Titan jersey. Right. Or a Carolina Panther jersey. It would, it would be odd, for sure. And that's why I, 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 I would kind of lean towards him coming back. But I do think a lot will depend on, on how he plays over the next six weeks. And, you know, you have to acknowledge that, you know, Anthony Lynn likes mobile quarterbacks. It's the reason they brought Tyrod Taylor in. I think right. he would like a guy with a little bit more mobility leading his offense. So Anthony's going to have a say in it as well. But I don't think Anthony's going to have the final say. I think it's going to be ownership and Phillips that ultimately has the final say on, on whether or not he returns. And I don't think it's well, out I think of – it's also yeah. – Go ahead. I think it's also Philip Rivers is probably saying you need to bring in better free agents to help this team, even on the offensive mm -hmm. line. So I think, better offensive line, yeah. his, <laughs> I think he declined his contract 
negotiations so that he can negotiate something that could help them bring in free agents, maybe help out Melvin Gordon's contract. I think this is all Rivers' plan to go <laughs> one more year because he wanted to play in the new stadium. So this He's could be his LeBron. last year next year. I think next year no, will be his I, last I that... year, and he wants them to go all out and go on free agency, and his contract that he gets will be based on how much they needed to spend on O-line and stuff like that. I agree with that. I think by not signing earlier, it gives them a little bit of leverage when he goes and negotiates and say, okay, I want to sign, but what are you going to do to make it so that this team can actually compete and be Super Bowl contenders? Are you going to do the things that, that need to be done so that I can have success with the rest of the team? I, I think that's fair. Yeah, I mean, he's pulling a LeBron James, guys. That's what's happening right now, Philip Rivers. <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I totally, I mean, it's not out of the question that, I mean, these are the options. I mean, you could still sign Philip Rivers to a two year contract with a one year out after it, get a quarterback in the draft and groom him. You could also let Philip Rivers walk. You still have Tyrod Taylor for a year. You could try that out for a season, a la the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield. I mean, there's options and it's really, I mean, at this point, super unclear which way they'll, they'll go. I agree, and that's why what makes the last six weeks interesting, oh, even though so it's four and six. Yep, I know. I there's there's never a lack of things to talk about, but Eric, we've taken up enough of your time. You're always the best, man. I don't want to gas you up, but you always come with the best stuff, and I, we just always have really good conversations. So thanks again for coming on with us, man. No, no problem, man. I appreciate you guys having me, and take care. Yeah, no problem. You guys want to go follow Eric Williams, the ESPN's Chargers reporter. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter at Eric D. Williams. He's got the best up there. He's always at the practices, and he's a must-follow for any Charger fans. All right, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. I'm sure we will have you on again, I mean, towards the end of the season, especially if the Chargers, you know, start to heat up a little bit. All right, well, once again, just spent sending a special shout-out to Eric Williams for joining us today. Awesome stuff from him, as always, but that is going to wrap things up for today. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow for a little bit of a different Friday show. We'll be getting into our keys for success for the game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And on the Monday show, we'll get into kind of a pregame show where we'll give you guys our predictions and all of that. But we'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, make sure to like the Facebook page, Locked on Chargers, as well as following us on Twitter at Locked on LAC as well as subscribing wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked on Chargers podcast there. If you guys want to get on the next voicemail show, we already have a couple, but you can still squeeze yours in at 323-524-7924. Every Chargers voicemail gets on the show, and we should be having another voicemail show soon. But we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Eric Williams for coming on with us, and we will talk to you guys later. Take it easy and go Bolts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. 